Hi, everyone. I'm Aviva Rumani, and this is Kindred Cast, unfiltered conversations with the business and cultural leaders who shape the world we live in. Kindred Cast is a production of Kindred Media, powered by Lion Tree, the global investment and merchant bank. On today's show, we'll explore what the next phase of NFTs could look like as Kindred Media's Olivia Borkoff interviews Jonathan Reich, the CEO of mobile content company Zedge. Over 35 million monthly users around the globe personalize their mobile devices via Zedge's creator-friendly platform. And as Jonathan tells Olivia, they're setting their sights on a greener and frictionless NFT solution for the masses. Tune in for an excellent look into the future of mobile content. So today we're here with Jonathan Reich and we're talking about Zedge. Jonathan, you are the CEO. So do you want to tell me a little bit about yourself and Zedge just to begin? Sure, absolutely. I'm a big fan of art history. So even though I'm a trained engineer and have been involved in high tech and digital for many, many years, I still have this really soft spot in my heart for art history and history overall. A little bit about Zedge. Our legacy is around the world of mobile phone personalization. We've got an app in that name, and we've surpassed 500 million organic installs of that app. And that avails our fan base with all sorts of different content that they can use to decorate their phone, whether it's wallpapers, video wallpapers, ringtones, notification sounds, and the like. And what we've seen is we've got around 35 million monthly active users. And that's on a global basis. Around 20% of those are in the US, 20% in Europe, 20% in Latin America. We um, recently reported we've got massive growth in India. So around 25% of our users are in India. We see that different customer segments are using the app for all sorts of different needs. Maybe it's to decorate their phone. Maybe it's to download social content that they can use across their social feeds. It might be for a particular audience of you know, a fan of a particular comic book or whatever the case may be. So there are a lot of different use cases. The way that we monetize that app is through a combination of advertising. We also have a subscription. And then we have a fairly new premium marketplace, which artists can use in order to monetize their content. And more recently, separate and apart from that, we launched an app by the name of Shorts. That's Shorts with a Z at the end. Shorts is all about serialized short-form fiction. When we launched the app, it was text stories. So you can read a story as a text chat that you would have with a friend with images and text. More recently, we began to roll out podcasts, what we call shortcasts, which are high-production value podcasts of those stories. And then finally, in August of this year, we acquired our first company by the name of Emojipedia, which is all things emoji. They are the go-to place for anything and everything emoji. My kids were like really thrilled with that. It was a nice feeling to know that not only have we done an accretive acquisition, but I made my kids really happy along the way. So that's great. So that's actually how we met. I wrote an article about a guide to emojis and how some adults, some kids mistake emoji use and how detrimental to texting and emailing that can be in our world of modern day communication. And that's just acquired Emojipedia. So... That's amazing. Congratulations. Yes. It made me very contemporary amongst my kids' friends and stuff like that. I'm like the one father, you've got a cool job. You work with emojis. So <laughs> That's awesome. And I wanted to touch upon shorts because I think this is a really cool 
platform. So I just want to know who's using shorts, what kind of podcasts you guys are producing, and why short form versus long form. So to answer the last question first, the mobile phone is where we consume content today. And what we really are looking to build there is snackable content. Depending on the user, they can be very immersive and consume lots and lots of that snackable content over an extended period of time. However, we think that just being able to give someone a quick snapshot where they can get that dopamine rush and entertain themselves and do so in a fun and engaging way is something that really lends itself to the mobile phone experience. What we're trying to build is more of a ubiquitous experience such that you get up in the morning, you're having your cup of coffee, you want to read the first episode of a series, you do that, and then you're going to put on your headset and head out to work. You can continue listening to the second episode and you'll have this great podcast that you're listening to and so on and so forth. The audience is, it's a great question. We're in the middle of building that audience. And that's why I said we're in beta because we're really trying to figure out who is the ultimate audience and what is the right content that we can avail to those users. Today, there are really two major content genres, one around romance, the other around horror. And we think that the world is much larger than that. And really being able to expand and find those audiences that will like genres, not only that we have, but new genres is something that we think is critical. The nice thing is, especially during COVID, we've been able to build up a nice library of content and we've been able to provide income to a lot of folks in the world of Hollywood that otherwise were not able to work because studios were closed and stuff like that. So it's a great story. It's something which is developing in real time. We're really excited about where we think we can go with this and just to challenge one's imagination. One can almost view this as a platform where not only do you have customers that are consuming the content and become fans of the content and fans of the app and the experience, but you can then begin to think about, well, how can you exploit that content across other platforms, whether it be streaming, whether it be gaming, who knows, NFTs, whatever the case may be. So there's a lot of different ways in which we can see this business evolving and we're going to continue down the path until we find, oh, this is really the thing that works. Right. So you mentioned you're helping artists with now COVID and studios being closed. You're also helping artists through the marketplace where they can monetize their content. Are you connecting with artists individually or scouting them out or do they come to you? What is that process? It's a combination of all of the above. In shorts, what we've done is we've done outreach to folks that have a network of artists that are looking for a platform where they can express themselves and a platform which has massive customer base. But at the same point in time, in our premium marketplace in the flagship app, that's really been something where word of mouth has been very successful. Think about who do we reach out to? We're reaching out to a graphic artist that might be in an emerging market And they don't really have an opportunity to monetize their content on other platforms. So we suddenly open up that door. I can tell you that there are so many artists that have written us thank you notes because we've provided incremental income to them in ways which they never imagined that they were able to benefit from. Our goal is 
what we sort of say is we're the marketplace that's built for artists. Mm -hmm. And having this massive customer base at our fingertips is something which is very, very attractive to artists. Right. So you've hit on the creator economy and you mentioned NFTs. And I just wanted to know. Sure. I mean, you have emojis, you have artists, you have graphic designers. Where does Edge fit into the world of NFTs? Our belief is that we want to be utilitarian to the creator economy. And the ability to provide for a provenance and do so is really important to artists. But at the same point in time, a consumer, they want to know that they own something. And it could be one of a kind, it could be limited edition, whatever the case may be. We recently launched NFTs. We're starting with one of a kind content, and then we will begin to offer limited edition and offer this being really, really friendly to the environment. So we're making sure that we can be carbon neutral. We're doing this in a fashion where these are affordable. So it's not going to be a 59 or $60 million purchase price. In order to get into the space, you can purchase using our virtual currency and the ticket price is affordable. We're doing it without having minting fees and things of that sort. From a consumer's perspective, they don't have to have a wallet. We're going to do everything under the hood. They simply say, I want this NFT and they will purchase it. It's theirs. They can do with it as they see fit. What's interesting to us as well is one of the problems that exists in the NFT space is that where do you show off your NFTs? These are digital goods. And we own that real estate. We own the lock screen. We own the home screen. So it really gives consumers an ability to say, wow, I purchased this. I own this. Look at this great piece of content. And from an artist's perspective, it gives them an opportunity to sell their content at a premium compared to what they've been selling it for you know, otherwise. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you are promoting NFTs in an environmentally friendly way. What does that exactly mean? Sure. So let me back up for a second. We made a decision that we as a company want to be carbon neutral. And last year, we actually partnered with a natural wildlife reserve in order to offset our carbon footprint. With NFTs, we're actually using a third-party provider where we're not going to have minting fees. And obviously, minting fees involves, in many instances, non-energy friendly types of implementations. We're going down the path of saying, we want to try to do this with the minimal impact or negative impact on the overall environment. Sustainability is critical, not only for the next generation, but our overall perspective is we want to make sure that we are a sustainable platform, which is good for our artists and good for our consumers and good for the world at large. So that's our approach, and we're pretty passionate about making sure that we continue in that vein. Right. And then I think people hear sustainability and they think of fast fashion, paper, trees, water bottles. What does sustainability look like within the tech industry? Yeah, sustainability is all of the power plants that are used to power server farms. You go into the world of crypto, I think I read yesterday that Kazakhstan is the second largest location or country in the world that is actually minting crypto. They have energy shortages in the country and the amount of energy that is being consumed in order to mint that crypto is just out of control. That's not good for us. That's not good for anyone. And we really want to be sensitive to making sure that there are 
opportunities by which one can be in the world of digital without also uh, increasing one's carbon footprint. Right. That's awesome. We really position ourselves as mass market where you can have a user in an emerging market. You can have a user in the U.S. acquire a one-of-a-kind or a limited edition piece of content, and then they can do with that what they'd like. Right. So you basically have an outlet for the artist, the buyer, just all in an accessible market. That's right. And these tokens, so you pay with cash. Fiat currency, you do an in-app purchase, you've got tokens, and then you can use those tokens to buy the content. You can buy the NFT content, you can buy the regular content. On the NFT side, we're launching specifically with video wallpapers. Then we will expand into other content types, whether it be wallpapers, whether it be audio. And our plans for 2022 are really to begin to offer new verticals in the app itself. So it could be other type of digital content that people would gain access to within our app. That's so interesting. So the same way I do in-app purchases to get coins on Candy Crush. Yes. And now I can just get an NFT. That's right. That's right. So will there be a marketplace for these NFTs? We're hoping for that. What we're going to allow for is consumers can ultimately take their NFTs and then offer them on different platforms like an OpenSea. And then I would guess somewhere it's in the first half of 2022, generally speaking, we're going to offer that ability within the app itself so that they can trade amongst other Zedge users and consumers accordingly. That's awesome. So just as an engineer and someone in the more creative digital space, what do you think about NFTs, the metaverse, et cetera, et cetera. Listen, it's evolving. I think that we'll must probably go through a hundred different iterations of what the metaverse is between now and the next 36 months. But considering how much time we spend in digital real estate on a daily basis, the ability to expand and enhance that experience by making it more lifelike, if you will, in my mind, opens up the door for so many different potential opportunities, both in terms of consumption as well as business opportunities. And we're seeing that certainly in the world of NFTs. We're seeing that in the world of how and what sort of content is being created. Just go back to what I'd said before. One of the challenges with NFTs is how do you display them? Yeah. Well, in the metaverse, you have that ability. It will be built into the whole metaverse. So we think that there's a tremendous opportunity with respect to where the metaverse goes. There will obviously be some business models that really take off and others that aren't that successful. I think the relevant thing for Zedge is we're there sort of because we're selling this digital content. So it really creates just another facet by which we can extend the value to both our artist community and our consumer community with respect to the content that we offer and how they can access that content and where they can actually use that content in their daily lives. Right. Which goes with the Emojipedia acquisition. Sure. That's something I use in my daily life. Yeah. So what does Edge plan to do with Emojipedia? So we're big believers that we want to continue what Emojipedia has built up until now. Mm-hmm. What we say is Emojipedia is, it's all things it's Emoji. It's the go-to That's place. That's right. Yeah. However, Emojipedia has only really existed on web. We are interested in understanding what happens if we make that a more mobile native type of experience. Mm -hmm. Where can we go with that? In addition to that, continuing to enhance what they're doing. So you could imagine that it's not only emojis, maybe there are other content forms that become relevant 
where we already have this existing user base and we are the leading brand and so on and so forth. And then we can begin to enhance that with other content forms that fit into that overall social content, a picture is worth a thousand words type of experience. Right. And that could be, who knows, maybe it's memes, maybe it's emoticons, who knows. Right. That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. And then I obviously have to ask what your favorite emoji is. Yes. So I'd say I have really three favorites. Three. Yes. I'm a big user of thumbs up. It's such a great way to confirm or support whoever is contacting you about something. And I use that religiously. <laughs> I'd say the other one is the, I don't know. Uh, I like that one too. Yeah. yeah. And finally, obviously, a smiley face is a great way to just share your good feelings. Yeah. I agree. That's awesome. I use this one a lot too. Yes. I also like the heart. So where is Edge going in the future? Where do you see it in 10 years from now? Oh, so I'd say that what we're really trying to build is this entertainment platform around short form type of content. As I said earlier, just our phone is that consumption platform for all sorts of short form content. And you think about whether it's you're checking your feed or you're going into Instagram for a couple of seconds you're watching something on Snap, whatever the case may be. These are all short-form experiences, and you're constantly jumping from one app to another app. We want to be major players in that space and have the content that is used not only within our own sort of ecosystem, but across other platforms as well. And we see that in our existence today. So I'd mentioned to you, Zedge today is wallpapers and ringtones, but we see that a lot of users actually will download content and that content resurfaces in their social feeds. Certainly Emojipedia, I think I was reading that 50% of users in Twitter will access emojis over the year. And when you think about that sort of high percentage of usage, it's something where us being the epicenter around that really opens up the door for being a powerful player in this evolving world of communications and social and the metaverse and so on and so forth. So it really gets us excited. We're a micro cap today. Our controlling shareholder is the Jonas family, Howard Jonas. And uh, the Jonases have proven time and time again that they will continue to invest in opportunities that can really unlock value and create massive customer following. That's amazing. That's awesome. Okay, well, thank you so much for being here today. Yeah, thank you. I hope you enjoyed our show today. If you want to check out any prior episodes, find us and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Feel free to leave a review as well as it helps people find the show. You can also follow us on social media at KindredCast for behind the scenes photos and info. Listen to KindredCast on SiriusXM every Saturday and Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern on Business Radio Channel 132 or stream shows on demand in the SiriusXM app.